Join us now covering the Detroit Red Wings for the Wings uh, Winged Wheel Pod. Our good buddy, Ryan Hanna. Find him on Twitter at Ryan Hanna, WWP. Ryan, my friend, good morning to you. Uh, somber times. How are you? How's life? How are things, my friend? <laughs> well, you know, I was prepared emotionally for, uh, for ninth yesterday, but maybe not for Chicago winning. So, yeah, a little bit of a somber morning, but I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you, even though it's under the circumstance right here that the uh, the lottery uh, ping pong ball is just not very nice to the Detroit Red Wings at all. And the Red Wings, who have had the most losses in the NHL over the last seven seasons, and here are the lottery picks to show for it. nine six six four six eight nine. This really, truly is, I mean, this is the story. I mean, it would be nice to give, like, Steve Eiserman, hey, here's a 1-1, here's a here's a Connor Bedard. What do they do now? Yeah, that would have been nice. It would have solved everything if the the ping pong balls would have broken their way. But like you said, it just doesn't happen. Not for the Red Wings. Maybe this is uh, uh, just the the Red Wings holding off on the lottery luck so the Pistons can have women Yama. But uh, we'll see about that in a little while, I guess. Uh, the reality is Detroit had a one in twenty shot of landing Connor Bedard and a one in twenty shot of landing Adam Fantilli. So it was nice to dream. But ninth overall this year is. It's okay. You can work with it. There's some really good prospects there. Not only that, uh, Eisenman has some uh, toys to play with in terms of draft capital. He has a second first-round pick, which is looking to be maybe 17th overall, three second-round picks, potentially two firsts next year. Like You, you can work with it. So you just kind of have to pinch your nose because uh, the uh, the Hawks are getting Bedard, and that blows objectively. Um, all in all, though, there should be a step taken this offseason, though. Well, you know, when we look at the off season, what exactly, like, what, what, what's on the priority list for you, Ryan? When you take a look at this team that had a lot of promise early on, and maybe surprise some folks early on, even though they didn't have their full complement uh, of of the roster, their full artillery uh, wasn't even in service yet. And then we go back to that fateful two game uh, two game you know, road trip there to Ottawa, where. It was like sell everybody off. The, the things have spiraled. The wheels are officially off the bus. What is on your list of priorities of areas that need to be addressed this off season? Well, the, the first one is probably the least fun one to talk about, and uh, not exactly the most um, uh, newsworthy item. But it has to be growth from within. This is something that Steve Eisenman and Derek Malone both talked about in their, their postseason pressers. Um, and it's the most realistic form of improvement the Red Wings can take. They need Lucas Raymond to be better. And it's not like he was terrible this year, but they just you know it's time for him to take a big step. They, they're expecting more from guys like uh, uh, Joe Valeno. You know, obviously, most Sider will continue to prove. Um, and then you're hoping that Marco Casper and Simon Edmondson uh, make the team whenever Edmondson gets back from his shoulder injury. Um, make the team and make an impact. And you have to essentially bank on that kind of incremental improvement because the reality is unless Eisenman goes out there and makes a shocker of a trade, there's just not a lot to do this offseason. Like the, the free agency pool is pretty thin, quite honestly. Um, there's some guys they can they can grab. Maybe they win the uh, the David Severson uh, sweepstakes, which is a little bit dramatic to say for uh, uh, probably a middle pair guy uh, on defense. Uh, maybe they pick up like a Mayfield or, or a Radko Gudas, but none of these guys are going to be world beaters. So, yeah, you look to free agency for some things, but um, the solution is just not there. The Red Wings need to add uh, to plug in that hole left by Philip Ronick, but they really really, really need to add scoring long-term. This is a team that just didn't finish this year. They don't have the high-end scoring talent. 
uh, it doesn't exist out there unless, like I said, Eisman goes out and makes a trade. So you have to start to address that, and it, it's not all going to be in one fell swoop. So, yeah, the guys in the winged wheel right now are, are the ones going to have to be to do the bulk of that work. That makes me very nervous. Uh, that makes me very nervous as as a whole to know that, you know, the the internal development has got to be what kind of brings I mean, Dylan Larkin, you know, 30 goals, 32 goals, 79 points in the season. That That's fantastic. But when we look down the list, you mentioned high high end scoring. There just there just isn't a lot of that. David Perron was number two with 24 goals this season. Uh, Kubalik had 20. Lucas Raymond had 17. Were you uh, it, Lucas Raymond 17 goals in, in 74 games, 28 assists, only 45 points? What did you make of uh, you know Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider's uh, sophomore years? Uh, both of them have some had some stuff to work on. I think Sider had a really rocky start. Um, part of that was he seemed to be kind of. Um, in his own head and, and expecting too much and, and trying to do too much. Uh, and another part of it is I don't think that pairing with Ben Sherratt was necessarily a, a good fit stylistically. It just didn't work out. Uh, but Sider figure, figured it out, and once he did, it was the Sider of last season, if not better. So um, there's no real concerns for me from Sider's end. And really with Lucas Raymond, uh, he was – up and down for a lot of the year. Um, I think a lot of that that's lost in there. People forget that he still was up in there. So I, I'm, by no means am I uh, uh, pressed about Lucas Raymond or, or thinking that this is going to be a, a problem long term. But yeah, you mentioned 17 goals. This is a guy whose shot is, I don't think he believes in his, his own shot enough. He needs to uh, uh, find a way to use that more. Probably needs to build some strength. Uh, get some uh, uh, weight behind him this offseason. He's done that before before coming into the NHL, and you kind of have to replicate that process. And building that strength uh, or that strength and, and that conditioning at the NHL level is also going to help him find space and uh, adapt as teams kind of game plan around him. The first thing they did once they, you know, so-called got the tape on Lucas Raymond was they just collapsed on him. They took away all his time and space to make decisions and shoot. And he has to uh, adjust around that. So the skill is still still there. The talent is still there. And really, he, it wasn't an awful year in terms of production. But yeah, he needs to find a way to really lean on that shot more and uh, get up to NHL kind of strength and, and conditioning there. Do you think that there is um, a way that the Red Wings might be able to move from that ninth selection? Because we talked there about Raymond. It's like okay, there, there's going to need, there's going to need to be some. Some assistance uh, and some assistance like readily available that might not necessarily exist. And if we're banking on, you know, some wild, crazy development where someone's just going to appear into a 40 goal score magically out of a hat. I don't know if that's going to happen this offseason within their camp as well. So is there a way or a scenario that you could see that maybe the Red Wings uh, move from number nine where their where their selection was placed last night that they maybe crack into that top five? Yeah, I mean, it's, let me preface this by saying it's not likely. That top five has a lot of excellent players, like really excellent players, and it's going to be expensive to try to trade into it. But that's my like pie-in-the-sky scenario. The Red Wings have a lot to work with. Like I said, uh, ninth and, and likely 17th in the first round this year, three second-round picks uh, this year, potentially two first-round picks next year. They have quite a few assets. Uh, in that top five, yeah, Connor Bedard's going first overall. Yeah, Adam Fintley is likely going second second overall. That leaves you with Matt Vaymichkov, 
who's a complicated player because he he could be the most uh, close in talent to Connor Bedard, but he's also going to be in Russia guaranteed for the next three years. You have Leo Carlson and you have uh, Will Smith out of the USNTDP. Uh, if you can land any one of those three at fifth, that would be absolutely worth it for me, especially if it's, you know, uh, Mitchkov or Will Smith. And that's not a knock on Carlson, but I just think Mitchkov could be such a diamond in the rough. But to try to convince uh, uh, the teams, you know, San Jose, Montreal, or, or Columbus to trade, I, it's, they're going to ask for for a lot. So maybe instead you're trading up to six, and then you have your choice of whoever else you like there. Or maybe, I don't know, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, I would love the idea of trading into the top five. My hot take is that they don't make both picks nine and 17 as they are right now. I don't know necessarily that that it's going to turn into trading the ninth overall pick. It could mean trading up from 17 to 12 or something to that effect. Interesting. And with multiple picks in the first round, you know, there's obviously a debate because, you know, with the Pistons, they're going to need some uh, some ping-pong luck as well. And I, I like to make the case that, okay, if the Red Wings, had, if we had to sacrifice the Red Wings ping-pong ball in Counter Bedard, maybe it will pay off for Victor Wembenyama uh, for the Detroit Pistons. My question then would be if we have two picks in the top 20 as it stands right now, what do you think the probability, if the picks stay where they are at, the probability of both of those guys being able to see time with the Wings next season? in the NHL it's uh, it's a different it's a different sport I know literally but it's a different sport when you consider it compared to um, to basketball in the NFL and where guys can make a more immediate impact I think if you see the ninth overall pick play in the NHL this season that would be pretty astounding it doesn't happen very often but for both 9 and 17 uh, I, I wouldn't bank on that it's just not how hockey prospects shake out no matter how talented these kids are, like this is a league of grown men who will absolutely punish you. Um, so, you know, if you're someone who's NHL ready uh, to come in and make an impact day one, in all likelihood, you're going higher than 17th uh, and ninth overall. So I wouldn't say that they're going to come in and uh, one would be a fantastic outcome, but not both. Okay, I can I can live with uh, I I can maybe live with with one and yes the development much more like what we see uh, with baseball where you're where you're selecting kids and you're gonna see whether they're playing overseas or they're playing uh, on this on this continent here OHL or WHL or that maybe they're in the ECHL working their way to the AHL depending on how the franchise views that pipeline. You know, maybe maybe there will be you know some some sort of like uh, I don't know consolation that maybe we see one of them uh, get to the wings, but you're you're really drafting for you know two three four years down the road, and the quick the, as quick as somebody can get to us, uh, the better off uh, you know that the team you know might be. But that's kind of what uh, what what the real hope is to be able to get a guy like Bedard who could come in and play literally right away, like day one. Here he is youngster he's here he's ready and that's why that number one pick not only for the talent but i mean just for the amount of time uh that you could have this guy he's just so valuable i know yeah he's it's like heartbreaking. Uh, he's a special player he is a special player and it's you almost didn't want to get too emotionally attached coming into the season or coming into the draft lottery because he's you know the best prospect to come through 
the draft since since Austin Matthews. I don't know necessarily that I'm putting him at the Connor McDavid level, but it's not insane to talk about, which is something in its own right. So he's going to change the game for Chicago. And if he doesn't, it'll be one of the biggest draft busts in, in professional sports modern history. Hey, no, no pressure, Mr. Bedard. No pressure at all. You got, you got this. All right, I do want to ask you a little bit about uh, uh, the playoffs and, and what's taking place uh, right now, if you don't mind. If we can hop into that real quick. Uh, who, who do you like right now? Is there a team that, you know, obviously with our wings being out, I'm not going to lie, I'm a, I'm a big bandwagon guy, so once the Red Wings are out, I will pick a horse, and I'll ride that horse until they lose, and then I'll jump on another horse. Uh, but I've been, I've been all in on the Edmonton Oilers. They were despicable last night. That was a terrible loss, 5-1 to one to the Vegas Gold Knights. At home, too, in Edmonton. Like, come on, guys. Uh, but is there a team that you are rooting for or a team that you are most interested in following and watching? You know, all the teams out of the West are really interesting to me. Like you, I, I do want to see Edmonton play more hockey just because I love watching, you know, what Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are doing. See, so, I knew I liked uh, you, Ryan. I knew it. Great minds think alike, my friend. I, I'm telling you, man. And, uh, yeah, it's a little wonky over there because I think all four of those teams left in the West could challenge for the Cup. Like Seattle has blown through expectations. They're bleeding Dallas Stars right now 2-1, and there was a really good case to make coming into the playoffs that Dallas is the most complete team in the postseason, and I still think that might be true. And here Seattle you know, has them, uh, has them their backs up against the wall. Uh, Vegas, I think, was sorely overlooked just because people thought, oh, well, Edmonton has to go through them, and so Vegas is going to lose, but that's not necessarily the case. They're the first seed in the West, and like you said, they took Edmonton to task last night. Um Obviously, what Florida is doing to Toronto is objectively hilarious and good for everyone. Uh, and, you know, as much as you love to hate the guy when he's playing your team, watching what Matthew Kachuk does is uh, he's going to be the blueprint, the DNA for a lot of GMs in terms of how they want to build their teams, especially when it comes to playoff competitive uh, type of rosters. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, pretty much I, I want to see the Edmonton Oilers go as far as possible, but anyone out of the West right now, I think all of those teams are going to be super challenging for whoever comes out of the East. Carolina and New Jersey, I mean, you can't discount Carolina, especially uh, that series is wonky, two blowouts and then a blowout in another direction. These whole playoffs are a little bit chaotic. Um, in terms of who I'm actually rooting for outside of Edmonton, uh, I mentioned Florida up 3 nothing on Toronto. If they seal that, if they move into the, the conference finals, Detroit's second first-round pick uh, that belongs to the Islanders that they got from Vancouver in the Heronic trade. That was poised to be 18th overall, but it moves to 17th overall if Florida moves to the conference finals. So there's a, a an objectively rational reason for us to cheer for the, the Panthers to win at least one more game. And I think that they're going to do that. I think they're going to advance in uh, a sweep there of the Maple Leafs. I mean, boy, the, the fans north of the border, they're going to be just absolutely distraught. I'm glad that you're on board with the uh, the, the McDavid train and, and Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse and the gang out there uh, in Edmonton. They're just a fun team to watch. I just need to you know, get their heads screwed on straight uh, Wednesday night to try to tie that series and, and maybe take this thing to seven. Who knows? Or, or just get it done in, in game six. But you've got to win a pair of couple games here back-to-back if you are at Edmonton. His name is Ryan Hanna. You can find him on Twitter. Ryan Hanna, WWP, the Wing Wheel Podcast. Ryan, my friend, as always, thank you so much for your time today, partner. We greatly appreciate it. And uh, maybe one of these days we'll be able to talk about some lottery luck at some point. Thanks for having me on, man. And yeah, maybe. I hope we don't have to talk about the lottery ever again, but uh, I look forward to doing this soon again anyways. Hey, thank you, my friend. And that's a great point, too.